Michael Jordan is the greatest individual scorer of all time, and LeBron James is better at everything else. It's kind of these vague superlatives for Michael Jordan that it's like you had to be there almost, and, and that argument's always bothered me. Hello, everybody, and welcome into another edition of There's a Lot Going On, the only show that opted out of the Continental Breakfast this morning alongside David Arroyo. I am Tom Shively. David, how are we doing this afternoon? Why would I ever opt out of a Continental Breakfast? I know we're not supposed to comment on it, but I who doesn't love a good Continental Breakfast? Hey, man, sometimes the options are just better across the street. You got to do what you got to do. Is there like a Waffle House across the street? Like what's across the street? Whatever, whatever your dream breakfast destination there is um, right. across the street. That's enough about breakfast. You know who had a great breakfast this morning, though? The Los Angeles Lakers, because for the 17th time, they are your NBA champions. Congratulations to the Lakers. 4-2 series win over the Heat, 106-93 uh, last night. Game 6, the clincher. Fourth title, fourth finals MVP for LeBron James. We'll get into his legacy and kind of where he stands all time later, but David domination is the word that sticks out to me from the Lakers in game six after, you know, they missed the chance to close in game five when it was right there for them. They come out and leave no doubt in game six in a thoroughly, thoroughly convincing performance. I mean, if not for that fourth quarter, that's a 20 point blowout for the Lakers. And it was never really in doubt from the moment the ball tipped and until the moment the buzzer sounded, it, it, you knew the Lakers were going to win. And, you know, they had that eight point lead going into the second quarter. And you kind of thought, all right, the Lakers look really good. Like, is this what this game is going to be? And then they just pounced on a clearly vulnerable Miami Heat squad. And, you know, credit to the Lakers. They saw blood in the water early and they, they didn't let it go. Specifically, Rajon Rondo. This was Rondo's maybe best game of the playoffs. And he had a couple really great performances these playoffs. So good on Rondo to, you know, see the opportunity for his second championship to kind of cement his legacy, if you will, as an all-time great point guard. I, I don't mean like top five or anything like that but he, he he i think he could be considered one of the greats and people are going to look back fondly on rajon rondo's career and remember the fact that in a game six clincher he was tied for the second leading scorer for the winning team so good on them they they pounced they seized the opportunity and like you said 17 championships that's nothing to scoff at that tied for most in the nba it kind of felt like you this performance was coming from the Lakers. You know, they they let the Heat hang around even in their two wins uh, in game two and game four. And obviously the Heat take three and five. So game one was really the only game so far to me in this series that had looked completely convincing from the Lakers. And I think a lot of people that know basketball were pretty comfortable saying the Lakers were going to win this series. It was just a matter of can self-inflicted wounds are kind of what's going to be the downfall for them if they lost and they didn't have any of those last night they were clean from start to finish like you mentioned they put their foot down when they needed to and you almost I almost wish it was a little bit closer I, I kind of like seeing clinching games that are closer but it, it just speaks to the Lakers dominance and honestly great job they were the best team in the bubble far and away most consistent 
And I think part of the reason they came out kind of so forcefully the way we saw them do was because of the way they performed in game five. They they just didn't look themselves. And when that game ended, yes, LeBron played an all-time LeBron James game. Like he played out of his mind game five. But Anthony Davis was a little hobbled coming out of that game. And people were asking the question, can this Heat team push this to seven? Are they good enough to pull a LeBron James Cavs in 2016 and come back from 3-1? And LeBron James and the Lakers decided they were going to have none of that coming into game six. Because I think they thought if this goes seven, we might be in real trouble. And they didn't even let it get anywhere close to that. They It was just not a contest. Uh, I, I partially got a question, the decision by the Heat, to put Goran Dragic out there. Because not only did I feel he interrupted the flow of what the Heat had going... He just was bad. He clearly could not get enough weight underneath him to put up good jump shots the entire night. And I I think that decision is a little perplexing and clearly threw them out of their rhythm because then they started playing a zone again, I noticed during that game after the zone had not worked for them all series. So there there was just a couple coaching things that it it doesn't knock Spolster off his pedestal to me because to me Spolstra is now has cemented his place as one of the three best coaches in the NBA right now. But it, it definitely was a little strange to see some of those decisions and what went into why they made those decisions. When you look at uh, the Lakers' performance, you could even go throughout the bubble, but specifically in the finals, this only series they didn't win in five. They Obviously, they take care of it in six. I think you had Lakers in five. I had Lakers in six, so what's up? But what what is most impressive to you about the Lakers and this whole championship run? I mean, cop-out answer, but that LeBron James looks this good in year 17. I mean, LeBron James just shot his highest percentage from the field in an NBA Finals game. And we're not even talking about this stat line like it's a great LeBron James Finals. Like, it was just like, oh, well, you know, that's LeBron James, you know, 29, 8, and 8, or whatever whatever his final stat line was for the Finals. I know 29 was the points. He was very close to 30. It was like 29.8. But it's all ho-hum, whatever. So I just think the dominance of LeBron James, because if you get another, let's say, three years of this LeBron James you can compete for the title every single year because that means you have two of the potential top five players in the NBA in LeBron James and Anthony Davis. If this is the LeBron James you're going to get. And I think he tried to at times hand the baton off to Anthony Davis, but you saw it in game five. You saw it again in game six. If LeBron wants to, he can still be easily the best player on the court in any game or series he wants. And I think in game six, he came out and decided he was going to be the best player on the court because Anthony Davis Struggled a little bit shooting the basketball. He wasn't, you know, great. He, he still gave you a lot defensively, but LeBron James was far and away the best player on the court in this series yesterday. And, you know, kudos to him. He still, his his mentality, or mentality might not be the right word, but his his how vigorously he's taking care of his body is paid off because you can see it, just him being able to perform at this level still. I think when it comes to LeBron, obviously this is third separate team that he's won a ring with and he's won now finals MVP as well with each of those three teams all four all four series that he's won he's won finals MVP so it's just the longevity yeah it's it's not fair there's so many times that you look at him and you go no one should be allowed to do that on an NBA court no not even someone that is 35 years old and it's it's just it's jaw-dropping and it's 
and it, and we we'd be remiss kind of if we didn't talk about the all-time greats now where that Jordan comparison is with this latest data point LeBron gets this third title I thought and I know you agree that he was better than Jordan before he won this title but this just I think puts him that much further that with a season that is as unique as any in the history of basketball to come out there not even face an elimination game only have one team take you to six even it's just I don't know if if Michael Jordan has had this consistency over his career that LeBron James has. I mean, I I, I sent it to you, and I think you might have read it. Um, if not, I'll, I'll give you the quote. Um, Zach Lowe wrote a piece today about you know Jordan versus LeBron, and he kind of just laid out the arguments for both, which I thought was an interesting way to write the article. But the quote that stuck out to me was from an NBA executive that said, Michael Jordan is the greatest individual scorer of all time. And LeBron James is isolation scorer of all time. And LeBron James is better at everything else. And to me, that's a very telling quote because I think LeBron often gets knocked for people saying, you know, oh, well, he's not going to take the shot. He And the quote that was also included in this piece was from uh, Scottie Pippen a few years ago who said, LeBron's going to make the best basketball play. Le- Michael Jordan's going to take the shot. And... I'm sorry, I'd rather have the guy who's going to make the best basketball play. I want to, I want the guy who's going to put me in the best chance to win. And that's not to say Jordan doesn't put you in a great chance to win because Jordan is great and this doesn't take away from him. But I think you kind of said it. For us personally, this just widens the... It starts to widen the gap between Jordan. It's still really close, but you can no longer hang your hat on, oh, well, 6-0 and in the finals okay, that just means he lost a couple more times before he even got to the finals. Like Jordan, LeBron has been there 10 times. He's won four of them. And three of those losses were to teams where you didn't even think he was the better team. Twice with the Kevin Durant Warriors and once where he didn't have Kyrie Irving and Kevin Love. So it, it's but, but, just the, the, the argument has become so interesting these last few years. And this was just not an easy title to win. You saw it with all the great teams that went out early. You know, it, it you had to be so hyper-focused on basketball to win this title. The other thing that stuck out from that article was the way people describe Jordan so much seems to be, and this isn't maybe a fair argument to play because I, I was obviously not alive to watch Michael Jordan in his prime, so I can't speak firsthand on what it was like to see him, but but a isolation scoring is perhaps the most noticeable skill in the NBA, the flashiest, however you want to put that. That that's the one that's going to make people go wow the most. And I think the fact that Jordan has that has significantly helped his argument more so than LeBron, who specifically was something like passing that maybe flies under the radar a little bit more. And the fact that people who support Jordan seem to have this logic that like he just has it. Or there's just this, he he was just different. And it, it's kind of these vague superlatives for Michael Jordan that it's like you had to be there almost. And and that argument's always bothered me because it, it feels like a little bit of a crutch. And I think that crutch is, is slowly starting to go away for Jordan. But I would have loved to watch him in his prime. I, I think it's an experience. I, I think it's a completely different journey than watching LeBron James in his prime. Um, but... I, I always wonder how I'd feel if I was able to watch both in their prime. I think that I might have messaged you this, but I've told multiple people this after watching The Last Dance. My thoughts on the argument were Michael Jordan's game was prettier. LeBron James's game was better. 
LeBron James is the better basketball player, but Michael Jordan made it look so effortless. Like everything he did looked so good, and which is like a weird way to put it. But like, you know, his, he would go for a layup and it just looked so pretty. His fadeaway jump shots. It was like he was so technically perfect and he seemed invincible. And so when he was six for six, six for six in the finals, it just added to the aura like, oh, he's perfect. He's perfection. No one will ever not be able, no one will ever be able to top this. And for those people, he will never top that. And that that's hard to argue with. But I think for people who can be a little more objective about it, I, I think it's a close argument. No matter which one you pick, I don't necessarily think you're wrong. But at this point, LeBron James, if you include regular season and postseason scoring, is second all-time in scoring. He's miles ahead in assists and rebounds. So he's going to finish his career as the all-time leader in points, top five in assists, and top 10 in rebounds. And no other player is going to be able to say that. And I think the other thing the article pointed out that I had never thought about when it comes to the error argument is the defense is so much different now in, the, in this era in terms of... They play a lot more, you know, zone and they'll, they'll try and flood the strong side to force LeBron into passes where your options with Michael Jordan were to go one-on-one or bring the double team. That that was your option. And now you just have a lot more options where LeBron is theoretically at all times facing one and a half guys. And then say he drives the lane. Well, here comes help. Now there's a third guy. You saw it in that play the other day where he passed out to Danny Green. He was facing a triple team at the rim when he got there. And he made the smart basketball play to give it to the open man. Where Jordan could theoretically go over two guys because we saw him do it constantly. I think we've seen LeBron go over two guys. But once you start adding in three, four players, it's like, all right, now I just need to find the open man. And I think it makes LeBron seem more passive but I, I don't know if necessarily his passiveness is as bad as people make it sound. Certainly an interesting debate. I uh, We're getting to the point where I don't know what LeBron James could possibly do to sway people that still think Jordan is better. I, I think if you are not on the – like whoever you think it is now, th- that's who it is. Like that's going to be decided no matter what LeBron does the rest of his career. Which is frustrating because I think there's still plenty of gas left in the tank, but it, those who like Jordan are like those qualities are never going to be taken away from Jordan. And back to the finals, I think we'd be a little bit. It, it wouldn't be fair to not talk about the Miami Heat and the effort they put out. They take it to six games. You know, they obviously injury problems. The two of your starters, Dragic and Bam, they both work their way back. You mentioned Dragic. Never quite 100%. I don't know if Bam was either, but Jimmy Butler kind of proved himself, and they had scoring from, you know, Hero, who we really came on in the Eastern Conference Finals. He was solid. Duncan Robinson was hitting shots. It kind of felt like they did – they played Miami Heat basketball, and it's one of those that you look back, and there isn't a whole lot they could have done different or better, I think, to win the series, and they just – they played really good basketball. They were just the second-best team on the floor. Yeah, I mean, they – because they were so built around an ability to shoot the basketball, shooting goes cold. And they went cold in the NBA Finals. They faced what I said before the series had been the best perimeter defense in the bubble. 
And the Lakers didn't stop that. They were the best defensive team all year. They continued it into the NBA Finals, and they made it really hard to get open shots. And when you have Tyler Hero shooting just under like 35% for the series, you have Duncan Robinson doing about the same. Like when, when your key contributors are just not the same guys, Jay Crowder looked like a shell of himself all series compared to what we saw a series prior. It, it's just hard to be able to win that way. And kudos to Jimmy Butler. He willed them to two wins. You know, he only had, I think it was 12 points yesterday, and he only took 10 shots, which is really strange in a potential elimination game. I wonder, you know, what was behind that because he played 44 minutes. So I don't know why he was so low on the usage chart. And I didn't I didn't even really think about it until the game was over. But, you know, Bam Adebayo gave you what you needed when he came back. He was giving you, you know, 16, 17, 18 points. He was giving you a threat to do something at the rim. And that was what they had missed the previous, you know, two games that he hadn't played. So the Heat put up a fight and I think they took on the identity of not only Jimmy Butler this season, but Eric Spolstra. This is the kind of basketball the Miami Heat want to play. They want to play you hard. They want to outwork you. And it really just came down to they didn't have as much talent as the Lakers. And I, I think their future is really bright because of Tyler Hero specifically. I think if he can step into his own, you have a legitimate three stars on this team. And it's just a matter of developing him. And if any organization is going to develop a guy, it's going to be Tyler Hero. Or excuse me, it's going to be the Miami Heat. But they also have a lot of assets to make a move. So if that's what they want to do instead and they don't want to develop guys because we've seen an ability by them to make big splashy moves like that, then that's what they'll do. They're they're in a great position moving forward because of what they showed in the bubble. Yeah, this is a team that's not going anywhere. I think you said this a couple weeks ago on the pod. Them and the Celtics are, are the two teams with the most upside and youngest good solid talent pools perhaps in the NBA. So that that could become a really interesting rivalry over the next few years. I, I think if those Miami Boston guys continue to develop, certainly Miami has more to do, but um, they have Jimmy Butler and the Celtics don't. So that, that that's going to be an interesting development. And I think this cements Eric Spolster. You hit on this a little bit as I think possibly maybe the best coach in the NBA right now, let alone top three. I don't know who I would pick over him at the moment. And, I was just really impressed uh, overall by, you know, the way they dethroned the Bucks. No one picked them in that series. Nobody picked them to beat the Celtics. Nobody picked them to beat the Lakers. And they were convincing in the two Eastern Conference series, and they put up a really good fight. So I, I don't really have anything bad to say about the Heat. Yeah, they, there's nothing bad you can say because – realistically they lost to the team that was better than them the Lakers were a better basketball team and for Eric Spolstra to get his team to that point I didn't want to say it earlier but I'm in complete agreement I think he's the best coach in the NBA I think you saw him time and time again make an adjustment that ended up being a huge thing for their team remember he threw Kelly Olenek out there what was that game three I think it was and Kelly Olenek lit it up and the Lakers had absolutely no answer for Kelly Olenek and it was just a huge boost for them having him out there. They had Myers Leonard out there for stretches. And every time they brought him in, he seemed to be a huge contributor for them. Solomon Hill, they brought him in at one point this series to kind of be that rough and tumble guy. He ended up doing something. Kendrick Nunn off the bench or yeah, off the bench. I think it was game three as well. You know, he to switch from the zone from zone to man. A lot of coaches would just be stubborn and continue to play the zone that got you there. He showed a willingness to adjust. 
He had a fairly good game plan, in my opinion, because really their game plan was to clog the paint and force other guys to beat them. And then, you know, it wasn't his fault that LeBron James found his jump shot this series and just was tormenting them from outside of the paint. And, it, you know, it's it's hard to beat Anthony Davis and LeBron James. That's really what it comes down to. When those are your two best players, it's hard to beat that team seven times or four times in a seven game series. And they weren't able to do it, but they showed a lot of heart. They looked great. They got some questions going forward because, you know, there's some guys on this team who you don't know if you want them long term. You know, Andre Godala, Jay Crowder, Kelly Olynyk, those kind of guys. I think a lot of those are expiring deals, though. And they're they have Pat Riley at the top. They have a guy who knows how to retool and will continue to do what it takes to get championships. Enough about the heat. Eastern Conference champs hang the banner, but uh, this is about the Lakers and their 17th championship. Uh, they are now tied with my beloved Boston Celtics. I can no longer die on that hill of the Celtics have the most championships ever. They are joined by the Lakers and obviously the two most dominant franchises in basketball. And it's time to have a discussion about which team is actually the king of basketball. David, I believe we're going to have differing opinions here, but uh, since your team is now the defending champs, I, I will let you pitch your Lakers first. Oh, well, first of all, I'd like to say they're not my Lakers. Just in this argument, they are my Lakers. Uh, so I'll start, I'll kind of hit point by point here. First of all, if you look at longevity of dominance, you know, not only did they have one of the greatest players of all time in the 60s and 70s, but they have continued their record streak, I feel, of sustained excellence. The Lakers have been the pillar of what it means to be great in the NBA since the 1960s. And, you know, whether it be Jerry West and Wilt Chamberlain, Magic Johnson and Kareem, you know, Kobe and Shaq, and now LeBron and AD, they have shown an ability, no matter what the circumstances are around the league, to continually win championships. And that ability to constantly win, built around the star power that is Los Angeles, is what has always made them great. And, you know, you look at when they won their championships, and the only decades in which they didn't win a championship were the 1990s when the Bulls, you know, the Bulls were doing their thing. They didn't win a championship. And the 1960s where, admittedly, the Celtics were doing their thing. So I'll, I'll give them their credit there. But from 1980 on, I don't think there's been a more consistent basketball franchise than the Los Angeles Lakers. You know, let's just run down the great players and coaches they've had all time. So Phil Jackson, you know, wasn't there for a prolonged period of time, but he deserves his credit. He won championships there. Pat Riley is a championship coach because of the Los Angeles Lakers. You look at players. LeBron James has won a championship there. Shaquille O'Neal, Kobe Bryant, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. You know, they got Jerry West, Wilt Chamberlain. I don't even have a list up. Elgin Baylor. Did I say Kareem yet? Like, I, there are just you did. so... You did. There are so many players that you can name that have worn the purple and gold. So many greats throughout their history. And for that reason, I, I think they're the greatest team of all time. And I'd like to mention, I think they might have the best colorway jersey in the NBA. The uh, the the black and gold? No, no, just purple and gold in general. I think oh, just in it, general. Okay. Yeah. I, uh, I will concede to the Lakers. They have the 
better players. I think if you were to line up player for player, I I would I would give that edge to the Lakers. I'm glad you mentioned 1980 because you've said they've been the best team in the league since 1980, pretty far and away. The NBA was not founded in 1980. The Boston Celtics began playing in 1946, and no team was more dominant through a long period of time than the Boston Celtics with their 11 championships in 13 years. Bill Russell, pure domination. They And I get the argument the NBA had eight teams. That's fair. That That is a fair point to make. But the, the Lakers were one of those eight teams. It's not like the Lakers weren't around. They were dominant over the Lakers. They led the NBA. The NBA was almost boring in the 1960s because of how good the Celtics were. And sure, they've had low points just like the Lakers have. They were also not particularly good in the 90s. They have only two titles in the 80s. I think the Lakers have three. I don't know off the top of my head. Is it the Lakers? Um, and in the in the 1980s, they have five. Five in the 80s. Okay. Let me get you. Uh, Celtics and Lakers have played 12 times in the NBA Finals. The Celtics have won nine of those series. So what that tells me is, when it matters most, the team. Uh, in the series that matters the most, has won 75% of those games. So those are the best teams playing in the championship series. Advantage Celtics, thank you very much. Hey, Tom, uh, how many of those came before 1980? Probably seven. Hold on, let me check. I think it was six. Six. My my point here being, the I, I understand the Celtics. Before 1980, you know, they, they were a good team. But that is literally less than half of the existence of the NBA. If you only count from the time the Celtics started until 1980, that's what, 33 years, I think it was, 34 years that the Celtics 34 were, years. were the best team. Since that point, the Lakers have won, let me count here, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven championships since that point. So yes, Bill Russell, he got 11. Congrats. Great player. Top five, 10 player all time. But since 1980, the Celtics have the Lakers have been better. They have, they have the players, and that's that's the thing to me. It's the players. You look, you win championships because of the players. And if we were gonna go player to player for player, the Lakers would trounce the Celtics. Plus, the Lakers, yes, they 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 would trounce them, Tom. The Lakers have what five five on five five on five. Five on five, they'd kill them. I give, give it six games. It would be a sweep They'll for the win. Lakers. They'll win. The Lakers would sweep them. Okay. The, the Lakers, theoretically, here are the players. Like, I've already gone through them. but like, Let's do this. No, let's, let's hash out the five. Let's do it. Who's well, your the, five? Are, are we just doing five best players, or am I making a starting five? Because the five best players are, are Magic, Kobe, Magic, Kobe, LeBron, Kareem, and Shaq. Are the five we're talking, best players? I guess we're talking seven game series. So, like, pick your starting five. So, my starting if, five. If you think it's the five best, my starting five would be. I think it would be that five: Magic, Kobe, LeBron, Kareem, and Shaq. You know, maybe sub out Wilt if you want some more shooting, or Jerry West if you want more shooting. But I think that would be my starting five, and I think they would dominate specifically inside. The Celtics have no one to match with up with them. Specifically, you know, I like Bill Russell. Bill Russell's about as tall as LeBron James and weighs about 40 pounds less. 
Bill Russell would get dominated by Shaq in the post if that's who you want to throw at center. Oh, I think I think Larry Bird and um, Kevin Garnett are the only Celtics that could really hang with the Lakers. I I don't actually think it's that close. I do like the Lakers, but I, I don't think you have a string of greatness from the Lakers that was that was as good as that Celtics team in the '60s without with how how far and away better they were than than everybody else. I. I, so you're saying, I think the only thing that hurts that is the fact you mentioned there were only eight teams. I think if there were more teams that they were competing against, you know, they, they had such a stranglehold on the best talent, specifically with there being no free agency. It was impossible for other teams to get as good as the Celtics, where the Lakers have been able to do it in free agency. They've done it, you know, during a period where there were other great teams. You know, they didn't win it every single year, kind of the same way the Celtics were doing it, but... They were winning it when it was harder to win it. And since it became hard to win it, the Celtics just don't win it as often. And that's really what it comes down to for me. Fair enough. Let's agree to disagree. I, I I've kind of made I've kind of made my case with the Celtics. I don't think they have a ton of ground to stand on outside of their dominance in the sixties. I've even said myself that it, it's just a different era in the NBA. And it kind of is from from decade to decade. So there's always that argument of how will they do against those teams. And that stretch, I think, was more dominant than a Lakers stretch, but certainly for the last 40 years, which isn't the entirety of the NBA. But the Lakers are doubling them up almost 11-6 to in championships since then. And it'll be interesting. Hopefully we get a 2021 finals, uh, Celtics-Lakers, and we'll just break the tie and we'll we'll, we'll go from there. But It's the question that kind of comes up with Jordan and LeBron of – do you prefer the 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 sustained dominance or just the higher peak? Because the Celtics technically had the higher peak because they had those eleven straight. But the Lakers they weren't been, straight. They weren't straight. But you, you know what I mean. Those eleven titles. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but the Lakers have been there thirty-two times. They've gone to the championship thirty-two times compared to the Celtics twenty-one. And that is an interesting spot to be in. I just I think it's it's very similar to the Jordan LeBron argument. You know, do you prefer that eleven at one time or the eleven over a forty year stretch? It's tough though because it's it'd be like comparing twelve Laker championships to seventeen Celtic championships. I think is more akin to the Jordan LeBron argument and the fact that the Lakers have so many more kind of, I think, gives them more of a leg to stand up. I mean, like if LeBron had six championships and it was like he's six and five in the finals while Jordan is six and oh, that's, it's, it's been advantage Lakers certainly for the last 40 years. So props to them. And um, they just, they just keep putting out Hall of Famers. So what can I say? It's insane. This argument had a lot more to stand on uh, two days ago when the Lakers only had 16 championships, but alas, we record on Mondays. So what are you going to do? You really hate to see it. All right, so we've talked about the past. Let's talk about the present. Uh, we've said two top five players on the Lakers. I was kind of the recipe to win. LeBron, Anthony Davis kind of cementing themselves as, as top tier of the league. This is a segment we've kind of been wanting to do for the last two, three weeks. Top 10 in the NBA. It kind of feels like a revolving door a lot of times, but... End of the season, 2021, kind of no one started thinking about that yet. So we've got the closed book 
on quarantine in the bubble and all of that. Where does your top 10 in the NBA right now, October 12th, 2020 stand, David Arroyo? So my top 10, I'll start 10 on up and we'll go from there because I think it's start still- one, Start one down. I actually think six through 10 is more interesting. Okay, I'll go one down. So I still think LeBron James is the best player in the NBA. I think he proved it in the bubble, proved it in the NBA championship. And until I say otherwise, he'll be number one. I think barring- him being a shell of himself because of his Achilles injury. Kevin Durant's still the second best player in the NBA. He shoots better than maybe anybody in NBA history and is still an unguardable freak. Like, he's a freak. Um, Anthony Davis, to me, is the third best player in the NBA. I think his combination of defense and offense is what propels him over some other guys who are maybe just good at one or, in the case of someone like Giannis, consistently comes up short where Anthony Davis came up big time and time again these playoffs. Number four, I have Steph Curry. I I think Steph Curry, you know, his championships, his ability to shoot is still second to none. And, you know, once they retool that team a little bit, they'll be right back to where they've been. They'll be a top three seed next year with him and Clay Thompson. That They are a great basketball team built around his skills, his unique skill set. Number five, I have Giannis. I think Giannis is... Yeah, yes, he comes up short, but there's no player quite like Giannis in the NBA. You know, that combination of speed and size and athleticism, you know, he's he's something. And I think the only guy comparable is Anthony Davis. Anthony Davis, to me, is the complete form of Giannis. And that's what Giannis is trying to get to. If Giannis can, you know, shoot a little bit better and maybe get a, a teammate that's a little bit better, I could see him winning championships, you know, next season. It, it could be soon. I uh, actually, I have the same top five as you. I figured we could break this up a little bit. I just have a little bit different order. I got the same one and the same five. I think LeBron is the best player in the league for all the reasons you hit on. Still as dominant as he is. I wouldn't want to have anybody else on my team, especially in late game situations, to make the right decision. We've hit on that plenty today. Giannis, I I, I think the skill set's there, except for the glaring weaknesses on offense. I, I think he's as dominant as they come, getting to the rim and creating offense for himself, but Again, once he gets outside 10 feet, there's a little bit of concern. Actually, it's Steph number two. I think the way he has the way he has this ability to just take over games and has kind of changed the NBA over the last six, seven years is something that that can't go unnoticed and how dominant he is. Uh, even harking back to like uh, game three of last year's finals where Steph can put a team on his back that doesn't necessarily have all of the necessary pieces. And and we're yet to see Kevin Durant do that on his own team. You know, he's always had Russ or whoever it is with the Thunder. He's been the best player on the team, but it's always been like a star-studded team, whereas the Warriors have won a championship as the Steph Curry show. And he, I think, as the best three-point shooter we've ever seen, again, revolutionized the way we look at that in the NBA and kind of that that's a change that's not going to go away anytime soon. He, the way that team is constructed it is the standard for the NBA, and it's because of Steph. I have KD at three just because of his freakish ability, like you mentioned. I think AD at four um, doesn't have a lot of glaring weaknesses in his game. I just don't think he's got quite the clutch factor that any of the other three above him do, and I think that's his biggest glaring weakness. Like we mentioned, he had a couple of bad games in the finals, and if any of those other three have bad games, that team probably loses the series. And Anthony Davis, I think, had the benefit of having LeBron, which maybe is more of a support for LeBron than indictment on AD. But 
I think he and he certainly got time to develop that. So you know, maybe a few years down the road, LeBron retires, it becomes AD's team. Will prove me wrong, but right now, I just don't think he's quite there with the other three. So that's my top five. I think Steph at number two is interesting, just because uh, I see what you mean. He can go on those crazy runs and propel teams even higher than you thought imaginable. To me, he's not number two because the guys I have ahead of him play better defense than him. If Anthony Davis gives you a poor game offensively or Kevin Durant is not shooting the ball well, they can give you more on defense than Steph can. If Steph's not hitting shots, you're not getting anything from Steph, specifically on defense. He's awful on defense to the point where LeBron James was hunting him every single time they played in the finals. So to me, that is the weakness of Steph Curry and why I couldn't put him at number two. LeBron's got what, like six inches on Steph though? It's not exactly a fair matchup. But the, my, my point is they he was always the guy they wanted to put in the pick and roll and forced to make a decision because they knew he wasn't always going to make the right decision. And you see teams do it time and time again. They always attack Steph Curry and he's the guy they want to go at. You know, you could realistically see a bunch of guys in the league dropping 50 on Steph Curry. And to me, that is not the position you want to be in. I, I'm not saying he's the worst defender in the league, but he, he's not a great defender. He He's slightly better than Trey Young, who I think is the worst defender in basketball. He's probably, what, the third best defender on the team, maybe? He's Steph? not as good as he's not as good as Clay or Draymond. I mean, I don't even know if he's better than, like, like who are some other guys on that team? I, I can't even name mm, that. Right, Eric come Pascal on. You, might right, be come better on. than you him right you can't, now. You can't pull names out and just say they're better than Steph. Come on. Come on, I, I'm I'm ready to say it. On defense, right, they're definitely go. better than Steph. Six through ten, what we got? Okay, the biggest shocker so far. I'm giving him his due because of everything I saw from him in the bubble and in the NBA Finals. Jimmy Butler is the sixth best player in basketball. Jimmy Butler gave you a historic Game Five performance. Historic. He he. Because he got the win, you could argue he outdueled LeBron. He got the triple-double, 30-point triple-double, only the third player in NBA history to do that in the NBA Finals. He elevated himself to me in these playoffs from a really good player to a great superstar-level player. A team, I didn't think he was a guy you could build around and win championships. And he clearly is a guy you can build around and win championships. And he gives it to you on both ends of the floor. People have talked a lot I just realized there's a guy missing from my list, and I'm going to have to move Jimmy Butler down one. I am very sorry. Kawhi Leonard is number six. Jimmy Butler is number seven. I did not mean to do that, but I have noticed I have done it, and that is where we're at. So Kawhi Leonard, number six, uh, for basically the same reasons as Jimmy Butler, except for the fact that uh, Jimmy Butler won the title this year. So Kawhi Leonard, six. Jimmy Butler, seven. Are are we cool? Do we want to... Interject uh, at all. Jimmy Butler didn't win the title this year, but other than that slip, I'll give it to you. I'll, oh, uh, I did. It's also, did it's also very Kawhi to be like left off this list by you. Like that, That's very Kawhi. Listen, I've slandered him so much, <laughs> it's just fair that we get one more dig in there before the season's over. So Kawhi at six, I'm very sorry. Kawhi Leonard has shown he can hit the big shot. He's going to give it to you on both ends of the floor. And he's won titles. That's what puts him above Jimmy Butler, who I've already said is at seven. Number eight, I got a young gun here. First guy under 25 on my list. Luka Doncic is at number eight. Luka Doncic, to me, plays the prototypical style of basketball you want in 2020. He is a wing who can get his own shot, maybe 
better than, you know, at this age, I don't know if we've ever seen someone who has the ability to get his own bucket the way he can. And he's a great facilitator of the offense. I think he still even has a little bit more room to grow because I think his defense still leaves a little bit to be desired. But in terms of the offensive end, he's one of the five best offensive players in the NBA. And, you know, if he gave you a little bit more on defense, he'd be even higher on the list. Still has a little bit to prove, but I feel confident in saying right now, Luka Doncic is the eighth best player in basketball. Number nine, another European. Nikola Jokic is in at number nine for me. A guy I have slandered time and time again. It's only fair I finally give him his due. There's never been a better passing big man. He hits clutch shots. He is the engine that makes the Denver Nuggets go. And in my opinion, the biggest reason they were in the conference finals and the reason they were able to knock down the Clippers a series before. I think if Jamal Murray was a little bit better, that team would have won a title. And it was not because of Nikola Jokic that they were not in the NBA Finals. It was because they played LeBron James and Anthony Davis. And Jamal Murray is just not on that level with those three other guys. And then at number 10, man, this sucks. I was going to have someone else at number 10. In at number 10, James Harden. I, I think James Harden offensively still might be the best offensive player in basketball. But again... Once we get to the playoffs, his style of basketball falls apart. He cannot give it to you for an 82-game regular season and then also carry you to a championship. He has gotten close a couple times, but we all thought, oh, well, the bubble, he'll have fresh legs under him. And there were just clunkers in there. He had clunkers these playoffs, specifically against the Lakers. And for that reason, I can't put James Harden any higher than 10. So that is my, let me just reiterate my top 10 because of my slip up. LeBron James, Kevin Durant, Anthony Davis, Steph Curry, Giannis, Kawhi Leonard, Jimmy Butler, Luka Doncic, Nikola Jokic, and James Harden, my top 10. Just on the fringe, I just want to say he was in the top 10, but I forgot Kawhi. Damian Lillard was my original number 10. I was going to ask, and then uh, I also have to, I got to come to Jamal Murray's defense here. They, they don't beat the Jazz without Jamal Murray. So you can say what you want about Jokic and the Clippers, but they are uh, watching on the couch if Jamal Murray doesn't have a historic series Fair against enough. the Jazz. I, I still think Jokic is the better player on the team, but they, they are, it's not like they're not at that point without Jamal Murray. So I, uh, I also have Kawhi Leonard at six. I uh, I had a kind of tough time deciding between him and a guy that you had pretty low. I still have Harden uh, between six and seven. I just think Kawhi, with the skill he has on the defensive side of the ball, just gives him a little bit of an edge over Harden. But I had to think long and hard about Kawhi's loss to the Nuggets because I think that is a black mark on his legacy. And obviously Harden doesn't get any further than Kawhi has also losing in the conference semis. But to, to have that talented of a team uh, with Paul George, and you can say what you will about Paul George, but that was on paper. Uh, a lot of people liked them to come out of the West. So to have those kind of expectations and fall short is, is frustrating, but I still like Kawhi at six. Obviously, he was phenomenal last year with the Raptors. He was very good with the Spurs, and he really hasn't stepped up. I have Lillard at eight. I think... His range, it's a lot of the similar reasons that I had Steph at number two and that the way he can dominate a game and take over and kind of put a team on his back is maybe, is certainly a top five in the NBA and maybe top three. I think when when you get Damian Lillard in his zone, he is as dominant as they come. He's got like that little bit of cockiness that 
that makes you like a guy or hate him if he plays for the other team. But I love literally, and then I have uh, Luca and Jimmy Butler nine and ten. I, I I think you could argue you could put Jimmy nine there. That, that that was a tough one for me, but love what I saw from Luca and love what I saw from Jimmy throughout the bubble. So I'm not gonna flesh those out because I think I agree with a lot of the arguments that you said. But I have Harden, sorry, Kawhi, then Harden, then Lillard, then Doncic, then Butler six through ten. I think my only thing with Harden where he is is the championship factor i don't think i can win a championship with james harden which is why i don't have him higher in the list but, I, but none of my none of my other four have won championships either no, so i'm not, I'm not, I'm not saying i'm not saying that they that they've won a championship i'm saying do i think i can win a championship with them purely my opinion i don't think you can win a championship with james harden i i seriously think you can win one with damian lillard with the right squad on your team because you've seen steph curry do it so steph curry can do it damian lillard can do it to me and that's more his style of game james harden plays such an isolation style of basketball that in 2020 is not going to win you a championship and to me you can win a championship with Jokic, Doncic. Butler, those are the guys ahead of him, uh, and Kawhi Leonard, obviously. You could win a championship with those guys as your best player. And really, from for me, from seven, which is where Jimmy is, everything below seven, I, I could see those guys winning a title within the next few years. I could still see Jimmy Butler winning a title under the right circumstances. I think Harden was as close as anybody to winning a title in 2018 there one stinker in game seven away from getting to the finals and beating the Cleveland Cavaliers but as soon as Chris Paul got hurt they were like oh well it's over because no one thought James Harden could elevate his team high enough to win that title and to me that's an indictment on James Harden you don't you don't think without another player you're going to win the title and on top of that I this is again this is maybe just my opinion Chris Paul was the best player in that series and so the fact you weren't the best player on your own team when it mattered the most is not a good sign for me. I, I think Chris Paul was better in that series. He would have been the reason they had advanced to the NBA Finals. And again, I still don't think they would have beat LeBron that year because that might have been LeBron's, you know, that would have been the last year of Kyrie, right? That that might have been LeBron's. No, that was 2018. That was the, uh, that was the uh, band of Larry Nance and Jordan Clarkson and... Still, that I, I, I would. I would come on. You would not LeBron. have picked the Cavs in that series. Come on. You're talking to LeBron Homer, number one guy wearing his high school jersey right now, and I wouldn't have picked okay. the Cavs. Okay. Okay. Come on. I'll allow it. I'm. I'm not buying. I'm not buying that. But okay. It doesn't matter because they they shot and they're built on shooting and they shot badly, which is going to happen. So you can make that argument that that's why they didn't get there. But I think the more interesting ranking, and this is something I brought out right before the show, is how the NBA is going to look five years from now. Because I think if you gave the top five in the NBA right now five years ago, you probably have LeBron, Steph, KD, but you don't have AD or Giannis. And I think there's always a couple guys that it's kind of hard to see where they're coming from five years out. So what do we think is going to be the top five in five years? David, I can go first. I can start with you. It doesn't matter. You can go right ahead. Uh, all right, so this is a guy that we both included in our top 10. I have two players that I have ranked in the current top 10 in the top five, five years from now. So this would be 2025. Just for reference sake, I have three. That is disgusting, but okay. My number one actually is Luca. I think 
everything we've seen in his first three years, only two years, two or three years. Two. Three, I think. Three. Two. All that we've seen. it, It is two, isn't it? Yeah, it's two. Okay. All that we've seen from Luka is just flashy. He's a good scorer. He's a solid defender. Everything you want to see in an NBA player. And I I think him, Tatum, and Trey Young are kind of the three young stars right now. And Luka, I think, has advantages over them in a lot of areas. And Tatum clearly still has some things to work on with uh, his underwhelming performances in the Eastern Conference Finals. So... I have Luca at one, and I have Tatum at two, who uh, disappointed me against the Heat. I was really high on him. That was kind of a chance for him to take his stage and put himself as, as the next guy in the NBA, but he came up short, and he's grown a lot from his first couple of years, but he still kind of feels like he needs to take the next step. So I have Luca one. I have Tatum number two. Number three, I have Giannis five years from now. I, I think a lot of what makes him good is not things that are going to go away in five years. I think he's still very talented, and how much the league develops around him is going to be interesting to see. He obviously kind of has Ben Simmons syndrome and needs to develop something from outside, but he he's a freak athlete, and he is he he's a spectacle to watch, and I don't see that changing anytime in the next five years. Number four, I actually have uh, everyone's favorite bubble player, Devin Booker, because I am incredibly high on the Phoenix Suns. I think they have a lot of young pieces there. I, th- I think Booker is a tremendous guy. He can you can build a team around him, and they're starting to get there in Phoenix. I think they are. I think they can be a legitimate. I don't know if I'd w- be willing to say finals contender, but they can open some eyes out in the West. And I, and I think the Suns are going to be a fun team to watch. I like Booker a lot. And number five, I have Zion Williamson the freak athlete himself. Uh, We saw what he did at Duke and in limited time this year. Single-handedly was the reason I think the Pelicans got invited to the bubble just because of his potential and his kind of spectacle when you watch him. It comes with this aura, A, that his name is Zion, and B, that he can you know jump higher than everybody else. He can just kind of have this majesty when he's playing basketball. He's just fun to watch. He's got a little bit of that Jordan in him where everything kind of looks easy for Zion Williamson. So he's going to be really fun to watch. And I think if he plays the full season, he's probably the rookie of the year this year. And it'll he, he's an interesting guy to kind of follow. So that's who I have. Just to recap, I went Luka number one, Tatum number two, Giannis, Devin Booker, Zion, top five in 2025. So by my count, we had four repeats in our top five, which is a little surprising to me. Uh, I'll give you my full list. You'll see where the repeats are. So starting at number one, I I just baffled by the fact this man was not in your top five. I think Anthony Davis is going to be the best player in basketball five years from now. I think he's going to have the championship pedigree. I think he is going to take over the mantle from LeBron James. And I think five years from now, those kind of, you know, clunker games we talk about for Anthony Davis, they're going to be gone. I don't think we're going to be having those anymore. And his skill set, he can score from all three levels. He can defend all three levels, unlike any big man I think we see right now in the NBA. And he's what the modern basketball game looks like, is Anthony Davis. Number two, he was in your list. I think Giannis will be the second best player still, because I think... He's bound to start winning championships here soon enough. And granted, if he doesn't, that that will change. But we're projecting a little bit here. So I I think he'll develop his jump shot. They'll start winning championships. You know, all the things you had kind of mentioned. 
Number three, I have Luca. We've talked about him ad nauseum at this point. I don't feel a need to continue on that path. Jason Tatum, I think, will be number four. I, I think Jason Tatum, as much as I knock him, I think he has all the potential to be one of the best players in basketball. And, you know, this is a list where when you talk about these five guys, I don't think there's a clear number one. And at any given time, you could say, oh, well, Jason Tatum's the best player. And to me, those top four all kind of share that quality where they could all have that that it factor. I have Zion Williamson also at five. And the thing with Zion is he has face of the league written on him because of the kind of things you mentioned, the one name factor. You know, you got Jordan, LeBron, and then you would go to Zion. You know, all the faces of the NBA, you can identify by one name, Wilt. Kobe, Shaq, you you say the name and you Kareem, you say the name Magic, Bird. You, you see where I'm going with this? You you say the name, you know exactly who I'm talking about. It's like in You're soccer, go, have a one name. It's a big deal. Exactly, Zion. We're gonna know it. He's flashy, and to me, the face of the NBA can't not be a top five player. So if if his knees hold up and he continues to progress. He, he should be one of the best players in the NBA. He should be incredible. He was averaging 24 a game as a rookie. He would have been an all-star if not for the fact he didn't play a full season. And so that is the question. If he's healthy, he's a top five player. The one huge question mark of a player that we haven't discussed at all, if Ben Simmons develops a jump shot, that guy is unstoppable. We'll never know. What, what what do you think? Does he develop one? As a Sixers fan, like where where do you think he falls in that? Like, do people really push him to do it, or is it just you know what could have been eternally with Ben Simmons? I think it's going to be what could have been eternally with Ben Simmons because I think he'll probably develop into that guy who averages like twenty a game. You know, plays great defense, can defend all five positions, and the question always is, well, can he knock down jump shots? And He's shown he can shoot them, so why doesn't he shoot them? To me, it's all mental with him, and I don't know how you get over that mental hurdle after he's refused to do it for three or four years and is making all-NBA third team without a jump shot. I don't know how you convince that guy to start shooting. But, I mean, that was the knock on LeBron for, for several years, and obviously Ben Simmons isn't LeBron James, but it's you know he he he's not as dominant on the offensive side as at the time as Jordan was, so... Do you see do you see that as kind of Ben eventually realizing that he needs to do that to get to where a lot of people think and probably he thinks he needs to be? Unpopular opinion, I don't think he cares about being the best player in the NBA or winning NBA championships. I, I think his actions off the court have shown you he cares more about being a celebrity than he does about being the best player in the NBA. And that's fine. If that's where your priority is, that is A-OK with me. But to me, that that is what you've seen. You know, you look at his Instagram feed. It's very, you know, look at my house. Look at my cars. Here's my model girlfriend, Kendall Jenner. It's not, here's, like, you know, he'll, he'll post some workout pics, but that's not what he's about. And that, again, that's fine. I'm not, I'm not going to knock him for that. Everyone has different priorities. Everyone you know, is driven by different things. But to me, he doesn't have the drive to want to be the best player in the NBA, even though I think he could be. Interesting. I, I, I was not expecting the uh, the Kardashian take from you on Ben Simmons, but I like it. I do like it. I think it's a fair point. Hey, listen, I mean, it, if, if you do something enough times, you know, you, you go back to Kendall Jenner, what, four or five times after she allegedly, let me sprinkle that in there, allegedly, <laughs> cheated on him multiple times 
then, you know, I, I got to question your priorities. Oh, all right. So we'll clearly decision making is not his uh, strongest asset. Hand up. I actually thought I actually thought AD was a couple years older. He's only 27. I thought he was closer to 30. I thought he was 29. Um, so if I had to do this list again, I might put him in there, but we're not doing it again. So I'm sticking with my guns and sorry, AD, but I, I'm dying on my hill. So let's do it. it. And um, sorry, he, he's one of the best five. Now you can't have both. Come on, AD. You can't have both. Save some for the rest of us. All right, that uh, I think we'll wrap up another episode. David, you got anything else? No, to nothing add? else. Uh, anything? I, I, how right you were about the Lakers all year? You can gloat one more time. Hey, listen, no need. I, I think I've gotten those punches <laughs> in enough. You know, maybe if I was like national media, shout out to the boy Nick Wright for continuing to pound the table and be right about that one. Uh, the one thing I will say, we I don't think we've discussed it enough, and I will continue to bring it up. The NBA did a marvelous job with the bubble. To have no COVID tests as we see what is happening with the NFL right now, to crown a champion, to have the basketball be that level of quality. I couldn't tell you the last time I remembered the 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 first round of the NBA playoffs. There were several memorable series in the first round of the NBA playoffs this year. And that is a credit to Adam Silver, to credit to the NBA, and they deserve all the praise they're getting right now for how well the bubble went. I think an underrated part of it was the fact that you got to watch every game. And when you have a regular season, you know, they're not they're not gonna start weekday games at seven thirty or at one thirty, you know, when everyone's at work and you can't fill the stadium. So I think the fact that you kind of got to see everybody play and see the ins and outs of series in ways that you usually only see in the conference finals slash finals, that that was really interesting to me. And that kind of gave it a March Madness vibe almost of like every game matters and there's a storyline to follow with every game. We'd be remiss if we didn't shout out. Uh, the NHL also did a really good job with their bubble. The WNBA did a phenomenal job with their bubble. And even Major League Baseball that had their spikes to start actually came down hard on players that were to be caught out doing stuff. And they really were able to get that under control by the end of the year. The NFL doesn't seem to really care that its teams are catching it. And they don't, they're not really, really putting hard sanctions down on the players that are responsible like baseball did. And I think ultimately it might cost them to not be able to finish the season because when you have – you're so built on playing once a week and then you have to change two, three games a week. It, it, it's going to be a problem and be interesting to see how that plays out. Also, since it came up, big, big, big shout out to Brianna Stewart winning another finals MVP. Uh, I would argue she might be currently, if her career continues on this path, she might be the most accomplished basketball player, period. No, no qualifier. The best basketball player, most accomplished basketball player in the history of the sport because she's got the college titles. She's got the national titles or in terms of the international titles. She's got the the WNBA titles now, the WNBA accolades. She just continues to add to her trophy case. I would love to be to her house to see just what her trophy case looks like because of the hardware she has. Like She is incredible. She was incredible in the WNBA bubble. I think, in my opinion, barely missed out on the regular season MVP award and then made up for it in the finals by, you know, just dropping like 20-something a game. She is she's amazing i she's so good at basketball and people don't talk about it because it's women but whatever yeah she swept the uh the actual mvp asia wilson in the finals uh, sue bird is 42 like what are we doing there come on like she's also year 17 it's absurd it's, it's just not fair and i think the thing that people forget about the WNBA versus the nba is there are 12 teams in the WNBA, so you have to be that much 
more dominant in your sport to make it to the WNBA because there are that fewer available spots. So that really is kind of the cream of the crop and across the board, just the most exclusive sports league, maybe in the world with 12 teams. And it, it, it is hard to make it to the WNBA. They don't get nearly enough credit and we don't talk about them as much as we should. And we are certainly not alone in that. So shout out to Seattle storm and all of the WNBA for another great season. The only player, just real quick, the only player that to me even comes close to being as good as Brianna Stewart is Elena Deladon, and she doesn't have the accolades uh, as Brianna Stewart does. Maybe that's because she's been on better teams her entire life, but that that's the only comparable player. They're the only players even close to each other, in my opinion. My girl Liz Cambage is going to be healthy next year. We're pulling for the aces. They're going to get that title. Let's do it. Let's go. Mystics are coming back. Come on. <sighs> All right, let's see. Vegas, uh, Vegas, Washington in the WNBA Finals. Plenty to look forward to for basketball over the next year. Uh, another great season in the bubble for both leagues. Congratulations to the Seattle Storm and the Los Angeles Lakers for their championships. And that'll do it for this week's episode of There's a Lot Going On. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll talk to you next week.